So I am hoping, maybe this is stupid, but I am sort of hoping that when we click go, it'll just work despite all these critical failures. <laughs> this feels like me like on election night. <laughs> all the polls are saying that this is going to work anyway. All right, well, let's hit some music and let's do it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics. We're the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. I'm your host, Alex. I'm in Portland, stu- in our Portland studios with Megan. Hello. And we are joined by a, uh, a large and eccentric panel. First up, it's uh, uh, Ezra, and m- in North California, it's Ezra, maybe occasionally Sarah, and one to two human burritos. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they, I, I think one of my burritos is uh, currently watching Lego Batman, uh, which is oh. a great movie, uh, yeah. for, for like the like fifth time this weekend. Um, <laughs> and the other burrito is, I think, partially asleep with like a monkey pacifier in her mouth. There was uh, the cutest photo that you posted, which was of the your baby swaddled like a burrito and then your toddler like in a sleeping bag or whatever trying to look like the burrito uh, yeah it was it was just like a, it was just like a full-size uh, like afghan blanket that he was kind of wrapped up in like oh, trying to get the burrito. uh yeah oh, it was great was cute. this, was, this uh, was all sarah's idea she wanted to once the first one happened she was like oh yeah we gotta do this all the way <laughs> also joining us uh tanya is out sick this week uh but holding down the fort in brooklyn it's chris hey hey Chris, no burritos. Smith is joining us. Uh, and then just off their breakfast burritos, uh, El Rey Day breakfast in uh, LA, it's New Sarah and Kyle. Hello. Feeling feeling fresh. Feeling full. <laughs> Good. Fresh Good. and full. And to add to our panel, we have, we've, it's already great, but we have a very special guest, executive chef of the state of Alabama, Top Chef Season 14 alum. Please welcome Chef Jim to the program. Hey, everybody. It is a pleasure to be here today, and I'm looking forward to talking about this awesome episode. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your opinion. Uh, Also, I'm excited to hear your opinion on this whole season, and it seems like there's been some great Southern food, which I especially want your your thoughts on, and so many many tips, and yeah, I I hope everything... Oh, yeah. I hope you're ready to talk about it. Definitely. Hey, can we... Can I start... Can I mention a bit of old business here? I love the y'all's infatuation with Chef Liebrand, and I will tell you that he is a total character... And has, there's an amazing documentary about him opening Corton in New York City. If you haven't seen it, it's called A Matter of Taste. Ooh. It may not be a sandwich documentary, <laughs> but it is really, really worth watching. Awesome. It's oh really cool. Gosh. All right. So you I'm going to check that, that out. You could confirm that he is a real chef and that wasn't just a character that they hired from SNL to be on the show last week. Uh, yes, he's not just a random actor. He does exactly actually cook food and is... And in my opinion, one of the best chefs in America, although I'm not sure that he still has a place in America. But for a long time, I, he was near the top of my list. I think he was the youngest two Michelin starred chef ever at like 22 or 24. Hey, something like wow. That. So, that's, a, that's like a star every been, 11 years. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, also, he's been a serious chef for a long time. Also feels like where do you go from there? Right. Yeah, it's tough. That's. I mean, man, that's an er- I don't like when like I mean, you keep Olympians going up, right? earn anything. You know, like. <laughs> What, Kyle? I mean, you keep going up to oh, higher right. elevations. You get taller still. Alti- altitude joke, yeah. I get it. Yeah, well, he's he's almost like, so he'll be 44 soon, so that, that's like four stars. It'd be fantastic for him. Like, just can you imagine by the time he gets to be like, you know, like 100 or so? That'd be incredible. It's a great restaurant. Uh, I, if you have any other old business, Chef, I, I'd be happy to hear it, although I'm just a little embarrassed by it now thinking back that you, you've heard every word we've said. 
Uh oh. <laughs> this is why you edit. One, one, one last piece of old business, which I do love, is uh, I am a giant fan of Ink Master. Uh, and I heard you oh, talk nice. about this, I guess, maybe last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. I mean, it's hosted by Dave Navarro, is like the Padma. And uh, mm-hmm. I've uh, always been a huge James Addiction fan, a Chili Peppers guy. Yeah. Um, so if you. If you're interested, I, I have no tattoos whatsoever, but obviously I know lots of people who are loaded down with them. Yeah. Um, and they do have quick fires, although they're not exactly <gasps> quick. But sometimes they are like oh tattoo the inside of a lip, or sometimes <gasps> oh they're sometimes they're just sometimes they're just random art challenges. Like a, it's in the middle of a season right now, but they had to like show depth by painting on glass. And so a lot of times, if you're just oh interested in art, their quick fires are not tattoo based, but just like but, drawing but it. the elimination challenge every week is an actual tattoo on a human body so that every week someone gets eliminated for a permanent art fixture on another human yes uh it is <laughs> totally terrifying but you have to you, got, you have to respect Some, sometimes they get they call them canvases sometimes they get canvases who um are willing for you to put anything you want on them they're just like cool just go for it just tattoo whatever you want and other times they have to try to meet their desires like Somebody, people have crazy tattoo ideas like, uh, you know, I want a, 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 I can't even describe how crazy some people's tattoo ideas are because they just play, put 20 things in there. Like, I want the Statue of Liberty uh, holding an a AK-47 or, a, you know, a gun with my dad's birthday on it, you know, oh my gosh. Over, over San Francisco Bay. It's, you know, like, it'll be totally weird and random stuff that these people have to try to do. So it is an amazing show to watch and it is me for me totally mesmerizing as someone who is completely tattooless i yeah which by the way was tanya's secret question for you jim was it really now we know oh. yeah yeah oh. she's uh she's not feeling well today but she wanted to make sure to ask you if you had any tattoos i'm a total chef rebel yeah. zero tattoos yeah. yeah yeah i that show sounds so terrifying but i would watch if there was a follow-up series uh that was uh, just about lasers it's just a, a series of laser-based removal challenges. Or like, can you remove enough of this tattoo to make it look like something else? Ooh, ooh also question. Uh, Jim, and I guess everyone, would you guys be in favor of uh, uh, Padma and like uh, Dave Navarro having like a swap day where like they just host each other's shows? <gasps> yeah. yeah. It would be incredible to see Dave Navarro on like, top show. <laughs> I would also would. like to see him wearing the eyeshadow. <laughs> He'd do it. Good gold eyeshadow. Yeah. 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 So uh, we did get a question about um, the gold eyeshadow on this most recent episode. Yeah. Um, Go for it. Wow. And how perfect it was? Yeah. Was it too perfect? Is that the question? I I am okay. I, can you say more about that while Megan grabs this email, Sarah? Because I let's see, just hypothetically, if one of us was like, instead of perfect, what would you say? Oh, that that's okay. I mean, everything is a matter a matter of opinion. It is very on trend right now. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. Metallic makeup is is a, a big thing that has been all over the runways this year, and it's kind of trickling down into street fashion now. Hey, also, I know something. I, I know something about this too. Oh, you do? Mm. Yes. Please. This her eyeshadow is actually featured in Padma's new line of makeups. I'm sorry, Padma. Oh. Making it if you're listening up there, but um, yeah. I assume Padma's is, listening. If you like the shade, all you have to do is it's part of Padma's new line of makeups. Oh wow, wow. that's yeah, awesome! So I want to Mac. Yeah, is it? yeah, it looks really yeah, cool. Mac. Wow, cool. Megan, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So Bridget had noticed, and she thought Gail was wearing it, too. Um, and <gasps> yep, she's wondering if it was in right now. And uh, and so, yeah, it sounds like from Sarah it is. And I also asked Tanya, who's not feeling well, but I, 
I sent her a text and she said it, it's very in. Uh, so, yeah. um, so now we know. And, uh, and if you really like Padma's, uh, check out her, it's her a, Mac line. It's available in select stores March 15th beautiful. through April. Yeah. yeah. It's a really wow. good line. Man, I that you know what when you Jim when you said you knew something about the eyeshadow, I was skeptical. Uh, but you nailed that. That's I normally amazing. do not know anything about eyeshadow, but I do <laughs> I do like Padma a lot. So I follow her online and all the various mediums. I I don't follow her because I'm afraid of spoilers. She doesn't do spoilers. She doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That not is on Instagram, at least. Good to know. I will yeah. add her that because I'm just I don't want to follow anybody who's on the show currently because I'm afraid because if I like we watch it on the next day I'm gonna already know who who goes home. Because um, Bravo, as we know, does not care at all about spoilers. They will if you hang out anywhere near Bravo, they will tell you the answer immediately all the time. Yeah, you know, so, so I guess uh, if you want to look at Bravo's um, uh, Bravo's website, then you should probably watch the show when it airs. <laughs> right? And when does it air, Megan? Uh, I don't know, but I think someone must have it written down. 9, 8 central. Thursdays, 9, 8 central. Every Thursday night. Yep. And you can well, catch the finale I mean, th- this Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern every Time. Probably not Thursday, Chris. It probably will stop at some point, right? Yeah, it'll stop after some next week, Thursdays, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this next yeah. Thursday, Thursday the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Bravo PR. Oh my gosh, everyone so pull up your calendar. Sorry, We're doing good. The 8th. Eighth, the 8th. March 8th, 2018. <laughs> 9, Central. Thursday, Bravo. Top Chef. And BravoTV.com. And, uh, we had and one job. TV shows are sold. Okay, so let's get into the episode today. Also, for those of you who are not privy to our pre-recording conversations, that was a reference to something we talked about earlier. This is, anyway, this is one thing Bravo wanted. Bravo. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess, Chef, you did ask Bravo PR. You were like, I'm going to go on the podcast. What, do you, what are my rules? Yeah, you <laughs> know what? He, I, I Chef Jim said, the one podcast. They, and, and Bravo <laughs> knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just try to stay in Bravo PR's good graces, even though my contract is up. Good call. Uh, you know, so I ask them if there's anything they want me to mention or not nice. mention. So, yeah, awesome. So what did they ask you to not mention? I can't mention that. Hey, um, <laughs> don't get them in trouble. <laughs> let's let's jump into the show, you guys. So we are talking about season fifteen, episode thirteen of Top Chef. After the elimination last week, uh, the brutal elimination in front of their families. The three remaining chefs pile into their Lexus brand SUVs and drive four hours to Aspen, where they get to Wait, play Go Fish. Were they Lexus brand? Were yeah. they not? Uh, haven't they usually been I think BMW? They might have been BMWs. Oh, they're they might have been BMW. totally uh, X5s. Yeah. Okay, great. Bad, I bad did job, not want to go Alex. look it up it's again. It's a quality vehicle. Br- <laughs> we like it. <laughs> Apparently, the BMW's <laughs> brand placement did not work on me. And Lexus oh. did. That's surprising. They got extra value out of that. <laughs> well, they're paying me to lie about what was on the show. It's a uh, weird deal. That's the, that's the real good thing. Yeah. Anyway, okay. they get in their branded SUVs and drive the casual four hours through the mountains, uh, where they're going to go play Go Fish on a tiny pond stocked to the brim with trout. It looks wow. Uh, it looks like a koi pond with the amount of trout that is in a very small area, and it turns out it's also full of bear shit runoff. Who knew? <sighs> Goodness. Uh, I feel like that should have been a warning. Not they but should they should have probably told them. Yeah, right? you're like, by the way, the fish is poisoned. It might be nice to mention. Um, yeah. The, well, the maybe chefs... it's like one of the, the one of the, one of the things about Top Chef is you also have to know whenever something is poisoned. It's like that's that's an yeah. important I mean, skill. It does for seem a chef. like a fair skill, actually. 
Um, yeah, as we learned from the film Phantom Thread, that's a key part of cooking. It is. <laughs> Man, that I omelet looked it. good. I don't want to talk too much about the movie. I don't want to spoil anything, but that uh, they make an omelet that looks incredible. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. I wasn't going to see it, but now I will. I love a mushroom omelet. It's French style. so much butter. Anyway, so the, the, um, the chefs have 45 minutes to capture, kill, and prepare one of these uh, shit-tainted trout. Uh, based on his charm alone, one fish jumps into Joe Flam's net in under three minutes. Another yep. mistakes Joe Sasto's mustache for food at the eight-minute mark and jumps out of the lake. And just like the legendary chefs at the Food and Wine Classic, all the fish assume Adrian is not a serious chef, so she doesn't get to start uh, cooking oh, until God. 20 minutes in. That's uh, uncomfortable with that. <laughs> that is at the expense of the other chefs, not at Adrian, who we obviously love. Um... Uh, she has 20 minutes left to prepare, and as we were just hinting, she goes for a mostly raw-style trout, which uh, the judges uh, alert her to later. Not an okay way to prepare mountain trout, because a bear shits in the woods into the lake, and then the uh, fish is wrecked forever, so you can't just that, eat that it was, I was really upset uh, by that, because normally, and I don't know, Chef Jim, if, if you can comment uh, from your season, but it seems like they go over the rules and li- the limitations before each challenge pretty well. Yeah, and that at this at this stage of the game to get out on something where no one told uh, the chefs like something critical like that. Um, you know, where where Chris Constantino was like, well, for fish of this caliber, you would need to do this. Yeah, um, so interesting. Would they have told the chefs that there was a that you can't undercook bear shit infested fish or would that be something you, you had to know going in no i'm pretty certain that I, that is something that every chef should probably know but in, in adrian's defense and in joe stash's defense they probably cook very little freshwater fish at all and um, really especially wild freshwater fish you have to be careful i mean you would never go to a restaurant and see like oh i had this uh this cat, this wild catfish sashimi because catfish are bottom feeders and they eat literally all the garbage on the bottom and so oh. trout, trout are more likely to eat you know, bugs off the top of the water, but they're not really that discriminatory about what they eat. And so uh, for me, I don't know, trout's the most common freshwater fish across the country to see on people's yep. and on people's menus. Yep. They should have all known. And I, I don't think it's uh-huh. it should have been in the rules. Like, they should all know that. All right. Uh-huh. Interesting. Fair I, enough. I loved, well, actually, I guess it made me angry at the time, but in, in hindsight, it's actually really funny, is that uh, it was just Stash, I believe, who was trying to make his raw and accidentally overcooked it to the proper safe amount. That's such a yeah. good mistake. Yeah. <laughs> the crystals were with him this time. Oh, oh God. I know that y'all have been making fun of the crystals, and I, I was in I was in a, a public place where I was talking to some friends of mine, and I started I made a joke about Joe realigning his pocket crystals, and uh-huh. my friends were like, "Oh, hey, we believe in crystals." And I was, yeah. you know that uh, you know that Homer Simpson <laughs> meme where he's like backing into the bushes. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't. I, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't." I gotta watch my crystal realignment jokes. Did you just use a verbal <laughs> gif and it worked? Um, yeah, it worked. It's, a, it's a pro move. I like the bland. It was so yeah. good. Um, I, I guess here's another back behind the scenes question then, Jim. Do you think they got lessons in fly fishing? Because it seemed like they hadn't really done it before, and yet I've been led to believe that fly fishing is quite tricky, and they all just jumped in and were, were successful eventually. 
I know that there is at least one avid fisherman who is part of the production crew. In fact, he would bring tackle to where we filmed in Charlotte and fish out of the ditch. I mean, in Charleston and fish out of the ditch oh, in front oh, of the... Wow. Really. So I, I, and I'm sure that they had some sort of fishing guide there that gave them like a, a five-minute instruction on how to fly fish. I, I, I love to fly fish. I'm an I'm avid, avid fisherman. Uh, I love to fly fish. And it is something that requires a little bit of skill. But at the same time, there were, there were like... T- 20 fish in front of like feet in front of them like i think it was so stocked yeah they were like starving you could see they were like just begging for food at the edge of the water like just give me one bug i'll eat it i don't (laughs) care what it looks like uh yeah so i mean it's sort of a a literal shooting fish in the barrel i think that they absolutely (laughs) you know i'm sure they got some instruction but it i mean i think as long as they had some some piece of bait in the water they were going to hit something um it yeah it was it was like a koi pond they were just so excited to get up in there um i think if any training there was it was just like don't hook your ear like (laughs) this is how you cast what i was mostly worried about yeah megan was very concerned for them hooking each other (laughs) megan's a bit of a nervous passenger when there are sharp things around and she was very worried there was going to be some hooking but they I would do that whenever that there's the a mandolin. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, um, really, I'm the one who shouldn't be near a mandolin. Professionals, <laughs> please use it all you want. But it's it's just my misplaced like klutziness that I makes me fret about it. I think that's fair. Yeah. The the, uh, the other thing is that so the, this was fun because this was a challenge that had a punishment option of if you don't catch a fish, here are the worst canned fish we could find. Although I still think it's better than what I was expecting, which is if you don't catch one, you may have to cook a boot. <laughs> <laughs> it defaults to a boot. That's your. That's your. If you yeah. can't get a fish, your line will come up with an old boot. I don't know why so many boots are in the water. In well, like a sad, tr- sad trombone, also. <laughs> right. Well, Bridget Wait, aren't did the boots write in like about the, the only thing fish. left over. Sorry, uh, oh. let's Kyle go ahead, and then we'll hear from um, the mailbag. Well, I. Aren't the boots the only thing left over from sailors that fell overboard? Like their bodies deteriorated, oh, and they're dark. just like the boots. Is that true? Aren't we glad Kyle talked? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it's sailors that were chasing manatees and just got eaten by them, and then yeah, they, yeah. They, they, yeah they spit out the boots. Harsh. It's incredible. Wait, wait. Here's the question. Here's the question. Why only one boot, Kyle? Where'd the other one go? Um, I mean, it's probably still down there. You can't hook. Like, I mean, they aren't tying their shoes together right. before like, they die. They come up as point. a perfect set. Right. Right, Megan, what was <laughs> the mailbag about this canned fish situation? Oh, uh, Bridget actually really wanted someone to make something with the canned fish. She said she spotted kippers, sardines, tuna, and salmon, and that they were all fancy gourmet brands. Oh, they were. Uh, so she thought. Oh, really? She thought you could make some good food. They, yeah. they were totally fancy blurred out on my version that I saw. Yeah, like, they, I thought that they were like. I, I guess, oh. I'm sure they couldn't find a sponsor. Like, hey, would you want your tuna fish to be the punishment if your people can't get the <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Weird no one went for that. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's, it is interesting because ours was blurred too. So I wonder if maybe... Uh, she could just know the brands really well. Yeah, that's she knows she the fish. Just... Bridget knows fish. We all, we all we said it every single week. For <laughs> Bridget knows fish, guys. We said it once. We said it a thousand times. So uh, Adrian doesn't win because her food is not edible. And... Uh, but she that she did the skin really well, right? But the yeah. skin was so good. If she had left off the body of the poisoned fish, she might have had a chance. Uh, and uh, Joe Flam is the winner, and he gets to have a secret. He gets to have an advantage that is secretly a disadvantage, which turns out not to matter at all. And then he gets to choose first his sous chef in the elimination challenge. Which, for the elimination challenge, it's the food and wine classic in Aspen. That's right, buddy. What and uh, is it? 
<laughs> Isn't it? It's a related event. It's in Aspen. Yeah, it's in it's, Aspen. Oh, everybody's in town. Yeah, I meant it yeah. is the time of the food and wine classic in Aspen, not this one empty field is the whole thing. Um, but <laughs> they it's, scale it's back. A, it's around food and wine classic time. So the uh, and the sponsorships are continuing, but they're getting subtle. So this time we're in a hidden valley on a ranch. And oh, no. <laughs> it's terrible, terrible, Alex. I have to cook an entirely. Oh, that Megan laughed at that one. All right, that's good. All right, all right. chefs well, have to cook she, an entirely vegetarian dish on a cowboy cauldron, which. Given last week's Rocky Mountain Oyster Challenge, I assumed was a euphemism for Yeti balls. But turns out, oh, no. it's is just, it's the cooking equipment you would get if a Weber grill had a baby with a hammock. So it's um, just. And it's, it's the capital, right? Capital C, cap, like the, the company is Cowboy Cauldron. Like it's a. It's a it's oh, a I didn't bank. Google that. Is that a, that's a brand? That's not a normal oh, yeah. thing that no, people they, make? Yeah, no, this is the Cowboy Cauldron style of Cowboy Cauldrons. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The double Cowboy And it appears cauldron. that they get very, very hot. Like, that's a, basically a wood-fired oven turned upside down. But it looks like it's just a barbecue grill hung instead of mounted. Uh, Chef Jim, I'm assuming this is your chance to tell us the difference. I, yeah, I think that they do get very, very hot because all of that heat is trapped in that bottom part of that bowl. And mm. I, so, you know, the embers stay there. It all gets really – it gets super hot. And um, I, I would love to cook on this. But isn't me, it just I, a I, hot I grill cooking? Yeah, it's like a grill. I mean, ultimately, it's like a grill. That, that's why I really like this challenge, because it's out there, but it's not like making them cook with something that, like last season, where they had to cook in the Mayan fashion, which nobody knew how to do. This, oh, yeah. This is a challenge where they should know how to cook on a grill, even if that grill is super hot. Um, so, yeah. And I did hear, on I have a good authority that Tom managed to, to take one of these grills home. I saw, yeah, I did oh, see nice. that. Um, oh. So I was, there's a great article, which um, I believe Bridget sent us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was from uh, a blog called Refinery29, piece written by Marshall Bright. And she did say, she was at, she was invited to be a super fan at this taping. And she gave a couple of really amazing tidbits. One I'm going to share in a second. But first, she did say that Tom stole a cowboy cauldron on the way home, nice. um, which is such a cool move. Yeah, way to go, Tom. Yeah, you're not going to, yeah. Yeah. Quick, if quick you Google could, search. wouldn't you? I mean, a quick Google search suggests these these can be like around a thousand bucks, which um, make would make make me want to do that. Although it wouldn't look great in our four hundred square foot apartment. Well, you need more cauldrons. That's what I've always said about your place, guys. Yeah, it's a conversation piece. I really like and the more idea of like paranoia. I like the idea of Tom recruiting like Daniel Ballou and Jonathan Waxman and Ludo to like lift that into the back of his pickup oh, truck yeah, and drive straight away. Yes. Oh, that guys. Ocean's um, four. So this, I do highly recommend, we're going to link this in the show notes, but the Refinery29 piece is so good. Here's my favorite part, my favorite tidbit from this. So when she got to the uh, Hidden Valley Ranch, there were eight mm-hmm. tents. And so it, to disguise who the finalists actually were from the super fans, they had oh, yeah. eliminated chefs also cook food. Oh, I love those. Isn't That's that interesting? Great. So there were That's so fun. There were the three and it basically she also said she's like basically everyone there figured it out like five minutes in because the cameras seemed to care a lot more about three of the tents than the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and she also said that um at one point she was asked to do a little uh on air piece with Tom where he asked what her favorite dish was, and as soon as she said which one she liked the best, they kinda looked disappointed and shooed her away. And then that Aww. so she figured it was not one of the actual finalists. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Wrong. Good, good guess. Sorry that uh, Thai style leaks did not make it to the uh, uh, finals. But so you know what? Talk about it. Isn't that a true Top Chef experience? From what we've seen this season, is like maybe making Tom make a slightly disappointed face at you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, making Tom disappointed is the that's yeah. the theme. Um, it's been our fear this whole time. <laughs> yeah. 
I also like it because I was a little worried. Because, um, I mean, as as you guys know, there's several vegetarians on the show already. And as one of them, I know that uh, this looked like we would have been hungry afterwards. Uh, even mm. us pale, uh, f- protein-starved vegetarians would have been like, this seems like three bites of corn is not quite enough. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That tiny zucchini looked like I'd be full. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'm a little bigger than you. I thought I would be hungry, so I was I was thrilled to hear that the guests did not have to just leave uh, starving after those those three dishes. Although the writer from Refinery also said she immediately left and bought a burger afterwards. Oh. <laughs> well, aren't they always well, at like weird times of day too? Yeah, probably. probably yeah, yeah, we assume this is at a strange time of day. Um, Guys, can we, can we check in on, on Cowboy Cauldron real quick? <laughs> there, there's a part uh, I don't know on if the that's Cowboy a segment we do, but yes. Okay, there's the Cowboy Cauldron minute. Uh, CowboyCauldron.com uh, has a section uh, called Cauldron Lifestyle, and it says at the top the oh. Cauldron Lifestyle. Cauldrons change things. They change the way you use your yard. They change the way you entertain. They change your attitude. Doesn't necessarily say for better, but guys, I, I really, I'm really down for anyone who wants to get a cowboy cauldron. I, uh, I I'm going to further suggest th- that a cowboy cauldron in our or mostly taking up our whole living room would change our lives. Okay, there are some different sizes you can get from 24 to 42 inches in diameter, and they have like a cauldron size finder. Uh, depending on how many seats. So if you only have three seats, then you probably want the 24 inch uh, diameter one. You can, yeah, 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 yeah. So we only uh, have the two, we only actually have two chairs. Oh. But we do have okay, a couch so, we could use for dinner, I guess, if we yeah, had to. Yeah, okay. Then I think that's about right. Uh, but yeah, there's a cauldron for everyone. A cowboy cauldron minute. All right. Back to you guys. <laughs> uh, and by the way, we're going to have to blur out every recording of you saying cowboy cauldron because they didn't sponsor. <laughs> oh, no. Or I could misremember it as Titan brand cauldrons for outdoor <laughs> cooking, which is a rival that I found. Um, Chef Jim, what do you think about the uh, the weird times of day? I assume you had to do a challenge like that where you were cooking dinner food at breakfast time at some uh, yeah, point. Yeah, that, that really didn't bother me very much. I it, it all starts in the morning, but filming takes so long during the day that, you know, even if you start cooking dinner at 6.30 in the morning, by the time you're done with filming, it has pretty much been like dinner. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> oh, man. That doesn't sound easier, I guess. That sounds like a, it would be even harder, and especially if there's not a ton of food for these guests. That's yeah, I, it, it is it's difficult. I, speaking of the guests, like I wrote down a list of everyone who was there. I don't know if you all caught all of these people, but this has to be the most celebrity chef-packed Top Chef episode ever. Um, uh, Lou yeah. Lefebvre, Curtis Stone, uh, Tim Love, who, by the way, was probably the worst Top Chef testant ever, uh, both of the Voltagians were there. Jonathan mm. Waxman, Danielle Balud, Neil Muhammad. Yeah. Uh, my friends, Brooke was there. John Tizar was there. Sylvia uh, was on screen. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Gerald, the first one out from last season, who was an awesome chef, was there. Danny Meyer, Gregory Gorday, Mike Lotta, who was on last season, and yeah, fr- friend of Jonathan the show, Sawyer. All of these people were on. Were you know John Sawyer? Dang. You know, yeah, it was nuts. Seriously, there were so many amazing chefs in that crowd that day. Well, so based on that, I guess that does sort of answer one of my questions, which was going to be like, because I, I only hear about the Aspen Food and Wine Classic on Top Chef, basically. It doesn't permeate the rest of my life. So is this the like chef summer camp that they make it out to be where everybody who's anybody is there? Um, or is this something that's like because they're also sort of sponsored by Food and Wine Magazine, this is the most important event to them? Yeah, it, it is. There, there are probably three of the Food and Wine events that are the biggest. I think Aspen is probably the biggest of them all, but then there's a... Uh, Pebble Beach is the other one, and the uh, um, South Beach, so the, the one that happens in Miami. Um, 
Those are the, the three huge mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. And they're hard to get into these events. Uh, Charleston Food and Wine is actually happening right now, which I begged to be a part of. And uh, it was, it's a lot harder to get in than you might think. The same way with Atlanta. Atlanta and Charleston, yeah. to me, are like the second tier. And I don't know about the West Coast second tiers. I'm sure there are some. But uh, it's really hard to... I don't know. Like I literally begged both Atlanta and Charleston. I was like, let me be a part some ways. And it's, it's harder to get in those things than you think. And you have to do, I think that in order to go to Pebble beach, you have to have gone to other food and wine events for like five consecutive years. So these things are really difficult to get into. And the one that happens in Miami is sponsored by the food network is another one of the big sponsors. And so that one is loaded down with a bunch of food network personalities. Well, I, this is uh, probably not exactly the same, but the Bite of Oregon, which is our big food festival here down by the river, uh, used to have a comedy tent, and uh, they booked almost anybody. It was fairly easy to get into that gig, so because I did so that that's well before in. I was ready. Okay, yeah. so, 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 so Jim, you just get in on the side right through comedy, and yes. then from there, you can infiltrate, you can make food for whoever you want. I'm not going to recommend <laughs> it. I've been doing comedy at a food festival is one of my low points. Uh, people do not care. Uh, they do not uh, want to see that show. Should chefs try to break in to, like, say, Sketchfest and make like food at a at a comedy festival? Is that a better idea? <laughs> I mean, if you bring food to a comedy festival, you will have enthusiastic people eating it. Also, <laughs> usually, it's like uh, they're usually like sponsored by a pizza company and PBR. So, uh, having real food would be kind of a nice t- nice twist on the whole thing. Okay, so there's uh, there's something to open up. Chef, if you are cooking at one of these festivals, do you uh, are you making these like catering style challenges where you're turning out hundreds and hundreds of tiny plates? Yeah, that's the way to do it. And a lot of the, a lot of these festivals have so many chefs. If you do a big plate, people just won't eat it. Uh, like I know that at Charleston Food and Wine, if you look at their website, there are like 300 chefs that are there this weekend. And so, and there are various places. Wow, it's not all one day of chefs, but they happen at restaurants and at at fashion like people who are you know. It's really weird. They're, they're, these food events happen all over Charleston, and they're not all directly related to the main event space. And what's your main thing there? Are you doing that to to network, or are you marketing to the general public to get your name out with them? What's your goal? Of it's the, both. Uh, it's for sure. It's networking and marketing and trying to get absolutely you're just trying to get your name out there. And lots of chefs, we lots of chefs, we lots of us know each other and have worked with each other for for years and years and hang out at these festivals together. So a lot of it is just fun and hanging out with people that you know uh, away from where you normally work. Uh, so there, there's lots of reasons to go. Yeah, that definitely with the list of names you read, it seemed like there was like a nice summer camp vibe of just these incredible, incredible chefs who are just kind of casually wandering around chatting about stuff. Um, so let's talk about the dishes for this then. So it, entirely vegetarian food on the grill. Um, it, even as a vegetarian, I felt like this seemed almost a little uh, mean for this final challenge. This seemed a little hard. Uh, what do you guys think about this as a challenge for this point in the show? I kind of liked it, honestly. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm very much the vegetarian bias speaking yeah. over here. But I think it's it seems like a, a fun opportunity to showcase your skills in a different way, right? Like, yep. it's it's not any it's not super limiting in my opinion just to take out meat. They didn't I don't have any think it is either. But chefs act like it is, I guess. So maybe I'm just internalizing that. Well, I think it's it's the last like sort of hard challengey challenge where there's a lot of constraints, and so I mean I like it better than the Mayan challenge last year. Man, I forgot um, about I that. Like, that I like I like the is, ability for hard. them to get. Yeah, where, you know, whereas this way, you know, 
people got to be di- creative in different ways, which uh, you always like to see. And overall, it was a pretty good challenge. I, I don't know. Uh, good as. Well, I, yeah, I, mean, I think maybe the thing that makes it tricky is actually probably just the phrasing of it, where it's like that you can't use meat is probably like a trickier phrasing than just like, because there are dishes that are don't have meat in them that are already like, you know, fantastic and whole. It's the idea of like, it's kind of hard to like to come maybe from like the, the lack of a something uh, as you're trying to have oh, your uh, inspiration. I think that's maybe like what maybe uh, tri- tripped up uh, Joe Stash kind of, where it's just like that there's like, there's like all kind of these like half elements, but like it just felt like this like blocker maybe. Well, he also yeah. did the thing that happens a lot when people are cooking vegetarian food, which makes me a little bit sad, which is he was like, I'm just going to make this 90% beet. And <laughs> at, as like uh, not a huge beet fan, that made me a little bit sad. Although he did a, he did have that cool thing where he was like, this is going to be beet and pieces of burnt log. <laughs> and and, you don't get and log plain sourdough bread. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. bread straight from a bag under your food without any modification at all. Well, the crazy thing is, like, that he still didn't get enough, like, smoky flavor, which is insane to me. I like, know. Like, like, yeah. like, we are... You are eating weird. burnt log. This is Yeah, the you're eating fire. Thing. I don't know what else you could do. Um, well, that's actually, I guess, Jim, it seems like you're going to have to pay on that. I just thought that um, I... I was so shocked when he just threw the log in there. And then when he explained that to the incredible Michelin starred chefs, they were all like, oh, sure. So is that a thing people do? They just throw the, throw the log? That is starting to become food? more of a thing. He is, he, Neil, we called it super on trend. And he, she's absolutely right about that because it is. But when you take a burning ember and throw yeah. it into liquid, you run the risk of getting it super bitter. And to me, that, that is way more sketchy. Like yeah. when, when he said that he cooked the, the golden beets and the embers, he didn't really cook them in the embers. He wrapped them in foil and then put them in the embers, which is fine. But it is much better in yeah. my mind to yep. take whole beets, not in foil, bury those in embers and let them cook. And that way, because you're going to have to peel them anyway. So that way you get that, that smoky flavor in there, but it's going to be peeled. Whereas if you just, yeah, yeah. They're absolutely. already wearing their own foil. Yeah. Spoil. That's what we call beet skin. Uh, but yeah, throwing throwing embers into a liquid, it, 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 people are doing things like that. But you just you've got to be so careful because that bitterness and that you can't strain you can't strain that out. Or you know, if you if you if you're running into trouble with it, people are sort of the the, the ash is still happening. It feels like in the last couple of years, chefs are just like like trying to find the limit of how much they can cook something. They're like, this is what we do. We cook. Let's take that to its logical extreme and just burn the yeah, shit. I mean, I, I definitely feel that. I, I love that char. It's like if you're grilling something to, to take it past where you would normally go, but some things burnt just don't taste good. Like burnt toast doesn't taste good. Oh, I, I do think that, uh, that Joe Stash's dish yeah. was like, it was definitely toast justice. I thought for the season, uh, you know, it, it's, as much shade as he <laughs> threw towards toast, the issue, like, Definitely yes. a little bit of uh, yeah. a, a little bit of poetic justice. <laughs> Such a good point. If he had just learned, if he embraced the idea of toasting things, he would have been That's ready true. to make good toast when he needed to. So yeah. true. So true. turns out it's hard. Hey guys, I gotta run. But uh, Chef Jim, so good to meet you. Thanks so much for being on the show and uh, have fun, you guys. Bye. Chris, oh. thanks for joining us. Bye, guys. Uh, yep. We're gonna keep. Sorry, we're gonna keep Chris. Gonna, it's weird. Sudden death elimination <laughs> this week. Uh, Chris, pack your mics and go. Oh. Soldier on through the finals, and we'll see you next week in the final finale. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Um, uh, what else from these? Oh, from one of the uh, from the judges' feedback, it seemed like everyone did generally very good, which I like, especially at this stage. I don't want to watch anyone completely fall over. Um, 
I it did seem like uh, uh, other Joe's Southside Joe's main problem was that his he used too small of a zook. So um, I a guess squash. that's a squash. Yeah, like that's not the worst thing that I've ever heard as a as a problem. So I'm glad at least he was he was doing super well. What do you guys think about the other two dishes? So there's that, and then there was uh, Adrian's uh, corn stuff in leaf stuff. Uh, Adrian's like the, really impressed. We're me a food show, Megan. Don't laugh at me. Wrong. We know a lot about food. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Just had to defend no. myself. Hey, you know what? We're we're all we're all experts here, right? Yeah. Um, at eating food. Uh, no, Adrian's really impressed me because things kept going wrong, and she kept pivoting and yeah. like somehow pulling it together. And mm-hmm. I thought. Hers sounded like the one that I wanted to eat the most. Despite Jim, or uh, despite, uh, sorry, Jim, despite uh, Bruce's constant sabotage, conspiracy well, yeah, theory. There, just well, opinions. Th- there were several potential, like, 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 doom, like, moments, basically, of, like, the, like, too many ideas, or, like, the um, yeah. Tom talking too much. Um, oh, man. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> oh, yeah. that. Tom got the you, you talk too much edit, which I think is the first pure negative edit I've seen Tom get on the show. He got a villain edit. Well, it wasn't uh-huh. a villain at it. It was just. Like... I think no. I, I think magic magic elves are like throwing some shade at Tom. They're it like, was you know, a little what, shady. Tom? He was uh, talking to her while she was cooking, and they did the montage supercut of him continuing to talk while she was not caring, and it was harsh. I I that made me laugh a lot. I thought that was delightful because he kept being like he kept bringing up broad topics and philosophy, and he was just on and on. And then he went to the other two people and like, "How's it going? Cool. Well, I'll see you over there." It does seem really hard, and, and Chef Jim, I'm wondering uh, about that. It seems hard to kind of talk about your dish while you're trying to make it, and they always... Oh, yeah. yeah it, it is definitely difficult, but, uh, you know, as, as a chef, you're constantly chopping and talking to people that you're working with, and so it's not that hard, but it's hard just to be like, uh, excuse me, Padma, I need to go run to the other side of the kitchen. So it, it, it's really difficult to do that, but at the same time, the, the, the more you talk to them, the better they get to know you, the better they get to know the dish, even if it is a little bit distracting and i do think it's part it's part of chef tom's job to come in and talk to everybody and find out exactly what their dish is and so he can identify maybe who did what part of the dish or what your steps are to making the dish or if you're talking about the dish in one way but when you serve it it comes out a different way and he's really good at assessing those things out and determining what's really happening with what you're cooking and who's cooking what and he's he's just very good at it There was one other really awesome uh, tidbit from the Refinery29 piece that I loved, which was that Padma is the only person during all of the conversations and all of the the walking around that is wearing an earpiece to the producers. So she gets messages from the producers to like help her help guide the conversation. And so she has to do basically that same thing that the chefs have to do, where she has to do her job while someone else is talking to her about her job. But she's doing it both verbally. It's like she has to be getting instructions in her ear and also telling talking to people as if it's not happening which is such an impressive bit of work and i'm even more impressed with her job yeah, I, of, find, uh, I find myself constantly defending padma to people because i i chef tom is obviously awesome he's one of the best chefs in, in america and gail is an incredible person who everyone loves and she's a great food authority but what people don't understand about padma is that not only does she have a very tough job and she's got the producers in her ears but she, not only she's an amazingly talented cook. I like to call her a chef. She strays away from that. She has amazing, you know, great cookbooks. She knows what she's doing in the kitchen. And she's one of the best 
as far as the people who eat at the best restaurants around the world on a regular basis, Padma knows what good food is. And to me, she is incredibly sweet and she knows what she's talking about. And a lot of times she's not just a, a pretty person there to be the host. I mean, she's obviously stunning, but at the same time, she's brilliant and understands food and is very good at executing her job in Top Chef. We, you don't, I mean, yeah, there are definitely some detractors out there. You don't have to defend her to us as we are all huge fans. Uh, but, and I, and I, I don't want to miss that part about her. like just, <laughs> I'm sorry, what, Kyle? Oh, that, that was me just saying oh, I'm in love with her. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have her book and I love it. And I, I just, wow, would, I, would weep upon her if I ever met her. <laughs> I, I also don't People love that. Can, Whenever yeah, people you meet celebrities, like they love it when you weep upon them. I just want to, just want yeah. <laughs> fans. I, also, I don't famous, want people to overlook them, the fact that hosting is a very difficult job, and especially if you go back and watch the first season of Top Chef, you'll be like, "Oh, not everybody as good at this as Padma is." And Alex, I, I kind of I find a little bit self-serving for you to to, to plump up the, the hosting. What I'm saying is, it's the of... hardest job, and anyone who does uh, it is a huh. hero as well as the star of the show. <laughs> Strangers should weep upon them as it, soon as I mean, they see if, them. If Sarah ever met me, it would be pure weeping for sure. <laughs> yeah, good thing we've never met. <laughs> uh, you're right. It's self-serving. Good point. I'm done. All right. Other uh, One other thought that I had on Adrian's dish is that everyone was getting complaints that they didn't have enough char in their dish, and she's the only <laughs> one who thought to put charred. So... <laughs> Huge compliment to her for that. It's a dumb good joke, Alex. I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard job, but I had to do it. Um, the, uh, uh, I guess my favorite two things now at this point in the show has been the friendships here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been such a, like watching the friendships on this level, watching them hug and just be supportive of each other before and after judges table has just been such a delight. And then my other favorite thing is we got our dream finals, kind of. But now I feel a little guilty for being so happy that Joe Stash was eliminated. Do you guys also find guilt about that? Pure joy. What, how are you guys feeling? That's why you start. I think, well, I think I'm not sure, but I think I might have made a bold prediction first episode for all Joe final. I think you did. You did. But you might have also that suggested like they'd me. be wearing the same coat, so I can't remember exactly. <laughs> that definitely sounds like a, a bold Ezra prediction. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I was a little bit disappointed that I nearly missed out on the prediction I forgot about. Um, <laughs> but other than that, like, yeah, I mean, this is this this season I think was just generally a, just a, a good season to watch. In that, like, I, I I think we've had better food seasons possibly, but I I don't think I've enjoyed hanging out with the chefs as much as I had on uh, this season. This is like one of my just just it's just a good time. Just, yeah, it's just, just no drama. It's totally nice. agree. I, I I just feel bad because I've been rooting against Joe Stash, and now I don't remember exactly the reasons. I know, like in one of the first two episodes, he said something a little broy that turned us off a bit. But he's he does seem like a really nice guy and a great chef. Yeah, and so. I, I feel bad for being so happy about it, but I just also just for like who wants to see all Joes? Who wants everything to be Joes except for Joes? Uh, Everybody else would love to see an Adrian mixed mixed in there. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel I don't feel bad for Joe Stash at all, just because he was like, he's like, hey, like, like t- take a big swing. Like, worst can happen is you like end up in third, which yeah. is like I like that as a. I don't know if it's going to be true for all competitions that you might enter. Sure, I'm sure uh, the person like in fourth wouldn't this, agree with that. Yeah, I like this as his takeaway. Uh, I like that as a general idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I liked watching him. He, um, he left this competition thinking the worst you could ever do in a competition is third. So, I mean, we'll prove him wrong. <laughs> well, and also his food looked great all season long. He won so many challenges. Like, I, I right. think he 
he came out looking really good in this totally. season. And he he's like, you know, not not a villain. Didn't get a villain edit. Yeah. Like I said a couple episodes earlier, I think my irritation had it found a vacuum and went somewhere so it unfairly yeah. fastened to him <laughs> I, but i exactly i softened right. so much towards him i would like to point out briefly that kyle's prediction did not come true from last week Which um one? he did not become a demon because oh, right. of the, the crystals but you know what it almost did because he did engage with those embers in a way that suggested to me he was very familiar with the fires of hell <laughs> we're gonna give you partial credit kyle <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. Just like I just Esther's wanted to, to point that out. Two men, one coat prediction. We're going to give partial credit. <laughs> I got yeah. one Joe and one coat. That's still pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, yeah, Jim, what do you think about both the claim that the food on this season is uh, maybe perhaps a different quality than well, other I seasons? Think that and I, what do you think about Top Chef does such a good job of finding people who are super talented. I think that the food on this season has been awesome. I think that maybe at the beginning of the season, you hear Tommy being a little bit disgruntled about it. But it is so hard for these amazingly talented chefs to morph into someone who is comfortable in front of the cameras, who can cook quickly, who can cook, you know, not think about things when they do and just like jump in and make things. So I think the food on the season has been good and it's definitely getting better and better. I think in the early seasons of Top Chef, they casted people who shouldn't be there, a little bit more like Hell's Kitchen casting, where they cast people who are crazy and not necessarily talented. Or cast somebody who's just yeah. really beautiful and maybe shouldn't be there. Uh, but these chefs are awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure glad that, that home cooks are just as good as restaurant cooks. I'm here to show that someone exactly. who's still in color. Um, but I'm super happy about well. the, the this finale. I think that Adrian is so awesome. Like I love what she's doing. I, I the same way with Joe Joe Flam. I'm I'm really excited for for both of them to be there. Oh, you know, I will. I have a little bit of a, a high horse about the way that media talks about chefs, especially chefs on television. And it's this is kind of serious here. Uh, oftentimes, oh. chefs are characterized as uh, as uh, more homey or cook with their soul versus chefs who are more um, skilled technically. And I think that that is really a. a dangerous way to talk about chefs, especially when you start thinking about historically what chefs go through or people like Chris, who he calls what he does soul food, but to assume that Chris isn't as technically skilled as the other chefs because he cooks something that's called home. This, that is maybe more quote unquote homey or cooked with soul is a little bit is dangerous. And you, you want to be careful like of making a, a racist characterizations of how people cook. And it really is, um, uh, you know, there's there's really great books out there that talk about the historical narratives of what cooks are viewed as. Uh, you know, there's the, the the Aunt Jemima effect. There's lots of, you know, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Joe Stash is an amazingly technical chef, but it's wrong to assume that he doesn't cook with his soul. And it's and vice versa about Chris or Adrian. So, you know, just I, you guys don't do it on the show at all, which is awesome. But it is really there's a lot of history point. involved. You know, you, like, you don't want to assume that I heard somebody say that Carrie is the cooks more like a homey style. Forget that. Carrie is incredibly skilled. She is, she has an amazing resume. And so, you know, just you, you got to be careful the way that press or even people like Yelpers or food critics talk about chefs, because there's a lot of historical baggage that is involved that maybe you're not thinking about. 
Mm-hmm. I, that's a great point. I I do wonder, especially since you are someone who does Southern cuisine, it feels like maybe um, it is starting to get more of its due as a as a true American cuisine. There's a lot of talk about that on this season. So are you feeling like it's getting more respect now? or No, uh, I think it is getting more respect. It is great to hear Adrian and Chris both talk about how Southern food may be the only type of indigenous American cuisine. And, you know, a lot of Southern cuisine is born out of, I mean, freaking slavery and, uh, you know, Caribbean roots and African roots and Southern ingredients. And I think that there's a lot of times when people who, and, and, and also Southern food is also very steeped in, in French technique as well. Uh, so a lot of times there's people who would say things like, oh, this is not Italian cuisine or it's not French cuisine that oftentimes make a lot of assumptions about what's going on in Southern cuisine that just aren't true. They assume that it, it is harder to saute a piece of fish in the French way than fried chicken. Well, that's just not true. I mean, there are different skills and there are different different techniques involved, but in order to do Southern food really well, you have just as much technique involved as those the, the best restaurants in New York or Chicago or LA. So, and I think, and actually uh, one of my chef mentors, uh, and, and I, I mean, I, I hate the name job, but is this guy named Frank Stitt. And uh, he has been nominated for the most outstanding restaurant in America for the past 10 years at the James Beard Awards. Like that is, that is the best award you can get at the James Beard Awards. And he is a chef from Birmingham, Alabama, who is really the, the pioneer of modern Southern cuisine, taking Southern cuisine and elevating it and making it interesting and cool. But just the fact that it has taken him, he's been nominated for that award 10 years. And yes, I, you know, I understand why people... Uh, you know, like other people are winning that award. But I think that a lot of it does have to do with people look down on Southern cuisine as not being a as good a cuisine as other cuisines. And to me, that's just a, a load of crap. As someone who has worked under chefs from Philly and, you know, or New York and who understands those restaurants, it's, it's just a different style of cooking. But it doesn't mean that necessarily one is more difficult than the other or one is better than the other or certain ingredients are better than the other. So, I, I, I'm really proud to see Adrian and Chris stand out there and, and own their cuisine and, and be an awesome voice for Southern folks everywhere. Jim, were there any, like, uh, I guess, uh, books uh, or, any, or I guess really anything on, uh, like, recipe books or cookbooks or anything that on uh, Southern cooking that you would recommend people check out if they want to sort of understand more, uh, like, I guess maybe the, the technical difficulty of it uh, or just to sort of, like, appreciate the way you do? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I was so lucky last year that they brought that there was that Edna Lewis episode. Uh, Edna yeah. Lewis is amazing. Her cookbooks are really awesome. You can really see the care and understanding and, and thought that's involved uh, in, in French cuisine. And actually, the two of the chefs that I work for who are um, among the best Southern chefs in the country, and Chef Frank Stitt, he has two amazing cookbooks. Uh, and another one, Chef Chris Hastings, who is another guy that I work for, another great friend. He has a cookbook as well. And those do a really great job of showing what elevated Southern cuisine can be. Uh, you know, also Sean Brock's cookbook is really an awesome cookbook. Um, there are great other people, like especially from Charleston, you know, like uh, Frank Lee is really great. So there are lots of people out there. I mean, and also, uh, actually, you know, there's this book called The Encyclopedia of Cajun Cuisine, which is an amazing book. Um, Emerald. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have been doing great things for Southern food for a long time. And there's just, there are tons of them. And if you're not, if you don't really know about Southern cuisine and you're interested, any of those cookbooks would do, would do great. We'll throw a link to a couple of those up in the show notes as well. Thanks for those recommendations. Um, are you excited that Kentucky is happening next season? Do you think that will help push this in the right direction? I am very excited about Kentucky. And I was I love hearing y'all talk about the hot brown. The hot brown is an awesome. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> great. 
uh, the Derby. Hopefully we'll get some Ed Lee in, in this coming season. Uh, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff in Kentucky. I'm very excited. Um, so that brings us now to our, uh, our, our second to last segment, our penultimate segment. It's time. Do the rigga digga ding dong song. It's time for Megan's Mailbag, you guys. You can send Megan a letter. Become a pen pal with Megan. Mailbag at packyourmics.com. Megan, what's in your bag? Well, as usual, we have a lot of great stuff in the mailbag this week. Uh, uh, we are running a little short on time, so I'll, I'll try to keep it short, and we've, we've covered some, some items already. Yeah. Um, but Jordan wrote in uh, and has done some amazing research. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, um, in honor of Adrian's first win, uh, he did some Wikipedia research to see which contestants survived the longest with the least wins. Uh, so Tiffany in oh. season eight, which was the all-star season when she was on the all-star season, um, she went out uh, fourth with no wins. Uh, Kevin season, season seven, which was the DC season, one season, won the season and had only one win before the finals. Uh, Spike season four in uh, the Chicago season was out fifth before the finals, no wins. Antonia uh, season four was out fourth, uh, fourth with one win. Dale, season three in Miami, uh, was the runner-up uh, with one win, coming uh, show 15 before the finale. Wow. Marcel, season two, LA, was the runner-up, one win, coming in show 12 before the finale. Harold, season one, San Francisco, won the first challenge and then won the show. Um, and then that he was also- it, nothing in between. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> and then he- there's also one crazy statistic. Uh, he wanted to note that winners... Um, May and Little Vote uh, combined had only two um, on the bottom placements. Uh, uh, each of them had only one. And then throw in Big Volt, they still only have two because he was never on the bottom. Wow. Uh, that is yeah. very impressive. Yeah. Uh, and also, that amount of research is impressive. Thanks for putting that together, Jordan. I think if I remember correctly last week, we said... Um, Something along the lines of, if we were a better show, we would have done this research already. So thanks for making us a better show than we deserve. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> um, Dave was really excited that we finally got to see an ever so slight amount of mustache fixing in the mirror. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just in time. We didn't see yeah. his sleep preparation, but he did just a tiny twirl on the way out the yeah. door. Yeah, no laugh, he did s- but, it, but it'll do. He, well, he did <laughs> say, true. I think, to, to, to one of the, the, the customers at Food & Wine that like um, they just on. like glues it on every morning. Which I, that made I me like, laugh. Yeah, genuinely, I, I like a good, I like I like that. A good mustache. Oh, that's interesting. It made me a little sad because what it said to me was like he's had to answer this every single day. Well, no yeah, one asks him about has, his food. But he has a good answer, and I can say Kyle is left, so he can't speak for his own facial hair. But Kyle has a really large beard and mustache, like a very thick, like mountain man style beard and mustache, and people always talk to him about it first thing. So I, it feels like one of those things that you have to have a good answer for. Yeah, just like backloaded. Is he? Wait, is, is he thought, frustrated by the fact that everyone asks him about it, or is he like this is a point of much pride? From across the room, Kyle just said, "My answer is go fuck yourself." So you be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that does solve that question, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's not what he actually says. He's a very nice man. I don't know why he's trying to play the heel right now. <laughs> yeah, it took a good heel turn. turn this week. Yeah, yeah. What else, Megan? Um, Adrian uh, is uh, upset that Top Chef still refuses to acknowledge that vegan and vegetarian types of protein exist. Yeah. Uh, I 
I, uh, I, mean, I guess, Jim, how, how much do you panic when somebody asks you to make some vegetarian food? Uh, not at all. I was a vegetarian for 10 or 12 years, and I was a pescatarian for a while. And then when I went to culinary school, I gave up my vegetarianism just because it's culinary school. And impractical <laughs> in your life. It's very right? impractical. But no, I love, I, I think vegetable cookery may be actually harder to mess up sometimes. And like, especially on a show like this, I think it was a little bit of a gift that this elimination episode, they got vegetarian issues because how many times do you see someone screwing up the protein or the meat-based protein on the show that gets them sent home? And you never really hear, it's very rare that you hear somebody get sent home because of their vegetable mm. preparation. Yeah. I, I just, as I mentioned before, I watch the, that crazy show sometimes, Hell's Kitchen, and they, on the, at least in that restaurant, all of the vegetables are cooked by the station called Garnish. Yes. That's, like, that's how little respect they give to all of the purees and the, the amazing, difficult, and beautiful parts of this presentation. It's just all Garnish, because all you're paying for is the steak, and that... Uh, it, that breaks my heart a little bit each time. So it's it is really fun to see somebody make these dishes that are so creative and different and and beautiful, uh, if probably not super filling. And uh, uh, I just I like seeing the stuff do this well and be like, if if you guys actually put the effort in more often, we could we could see this kind of vegetable cookery all the time. It's just there's no reason you would really have. Yeah, to. I think I think as a contestant on Top Chef, sometimes it's a little bit different. Like maybe you want to make a vegetarian dish, but you're a little bit worried that the judges might ding you for not cooking a protein. Uh, so, yeah. But other times it's a risk that pays off really well because if your dish stands out because there because there's no meat in it, or I, you know, there are no mistakes in the, in the cookery that you do, and people don't even think that a meat is missing, that it really does show a level of skill that you don't necessarily have to have a meat-based protein in your dish. Yeah, the, the, the word protein is also just kind of like a funny, uh, frustrating thing for vegetarians because like that's the first thing that everybody asks is like, how are you getting enough protein? And the answer is super easily. We never think about it and we're fine. It's just really not that hard. Yeah, I, yeah I, you know, chefs <laughs> say protein to refer to meat and that's just, it's yeah, just yeah, chef yeah. lingo. Well, but yeah, so but it's just it's just that chef lingo is also sort of like uh, reminiscent of this other annoying thing that like moms say. So it's just kind of a combination. <laughs> but you know what? We should all take a note from Joe Stash and say we don't actually eat any protein. We just glue it on in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to walk around with a steak under your nose all day as a vegetarian, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like it. All right, I just want to end with um, with everyone's predictions or hopes. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Katie got her wish this um, episode, um, wanting to see uh, a win for Southside Joe and Adrian for the finale. Um, she's rooting for Southside Joe to win. Uh, Marianne uh, says that Joe Flam has excellent manners, so she's ha- hashtag Team Joe Flam. He is so sweet. He, he really is, is so genuinely happy for other people's victories, which is like one of the hardest things to do in competition, and makes me so happy. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still Team Adrian, but I uh, would not be unhappy at all if he won. He's just such a delight. Uh, Joan is. Uh, uh, rooting for Adrian first and Flam second. Um, he's really stoked about the about the that. finale. Joan um, also had a line in one of his in one of the messages about how uh, just the pond was so full of fish that Adrian could have caught one with her bare hands, which I'm assuming was against the rules because it did look like with those nets that they had, they really could have just scooped up three or four trout at a time if right. they wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> it was. 
hacked. Um, at remind me of the on Twitter, uh, writes in with hashtag Team Adrian. Yeah. Um, and at Oh Alchemy Girl writes in <laughs> to say that she's hashtag Team Adrian and hashtag Team Notebook. <laughs> That is, sounds like a bold mm, prediction yeah, would make that the netbook, notebook somehow wins. <laughs> I really love that notebook because, like, um, I feel like the notebook's really just, like, just someone, like, working really hard to get better, uh, which I really appreciate. And I, I just I like notebooks even when they don't help people get better. So this is, like, <laughs> this is a twofer for me. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I love it. I was going to say as my bold prediction was that Adrian was going to forgo having a sous chef and just cook alongside her notebook. Mm. Wearing a, an apron. Yeah. Cute. A little tiny apron on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Megan, and thanks everybody who sent a long mail this week. Became Megan's pen pal. You can do the same. Mailbag at packyourmics.com or at packyourmics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash packyourmics, etc., etc., etc. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to get some last minute predictions from you guys. Uh, and then, obviously, next week, it being the final finale, we'll want your season wrap, your overall season thoughts. On everything that's come before and everything that's going to happen in Kentucky. And your bold predictions for the offseason, I guess? What you're going to do to train in the offseason? Lots of good stuff. Send it all along. Mailbag at packyourmics.com. And we thank everybody who wrote in. Padma's voice in my head is telling us we have to wrap. But before we do, I want your, uh, I guess, bold predictions. Or just pick a team. Pick a side. Um, it's down It's down to the wire. Down to our final two. Uh, Ez and family. Who do you think is going to win? And who do you want to win if they're different people? Uh, I don't know if I actually care. You know, it's sort of like it's like just 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 go cooking. I, I really I don't I I I don't I have very little. Yeah, I mean I'm pro notebook obviously, but mm-hmm. other than that, like I I, I I yeah I just want them to do well. It, I, I, yeah, pass. Don't care sounds negative, but I know you don't mean it that way. Um, no, like as in, as in like would be happy in all directions. Like I like I, I think it's just I think like they're both pleased with how far they've gotten. Like I'm sure everyone wants to win, but like I don't think I don't. I feel like I remember like for for like past times if it felt like like someone's like kind of like you know like really really have a tough time if they don't win if they get so far. But like I feel like everyone's like they've they've, they've done a good job. Like yeah. and I think they've, they've yeah they've they've secured their place and in the annals of, of Top Chef history. So I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not worried really either way. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember back to how we felt last season with the Brooke Shirley finale because that was one where it was like, everybody wins this week. It, like, yeah. Uh, but, but That was a little yet, more like Brooke, Brooke really wanted it, though. Like, it felt like, like Brooke really, 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 really wanted it. I mean, I know everyone wants to win, but like... Yeah, I think maybe she wanted it more, but like I was going to be happy either way. I guess, yeah. that, but that's the flip side is I'm definitely going to be sad next week when somebody doesn't win. That's um, true, too. And if they announce it's a tie, I'll be furious. So, like, there's no good outcome. Oh, huh. <laughs> How about just a cliffhanger where we find out in, in Kentucky? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have that to analyze what prediction. shirt everyone's wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we saw a cliff- oh, actually, wait, no, I forgot. I actually do have, I do think I know who wins. Oh, well, you keep that to yourself. Okay. But based on yeah, what information? Based on uh, at the end where the chefs were standing and where it looked like Padma was looking when she said, you're top chef. Oh, from the preview this And week. then the room erupted yeah. in cheers. Um, yeah, well, no, I feel, pretty, I feel pretty strong about that, but I won't, I won't actually share it then. Yeah, I don't definitely want. don't want to hear that. Um, okay. Oh, man, that's interesting. Why would they not fix that? <laughs> I mean, I, I could be wrong. I have a 50% chance of being right, so... That's true. That is true. Um, well, we're missing Jim again. 
Yeah. I'm always missing Jim. Do we? What did we do last time to fix him? Did I leave and come back, or did, did he just, just show up again? Oh, okay. I'm back. No, nope, he's back. Y'all there? Yay, hey, welcome back. back. I uh, shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have worried. I had total faith you were going to be here. Um, you can just assume you knew what we had just said. But uh, Chef Jim, I want to hear your prediction for next week. Both if you have a, a prediction with your heart or a pred- or with your money, if they're different. But uh, what do you think? I next week? really love both of these chefs, and I really don't care if I which one of them win. I mean, I guess I do care, but I, I would love to see Adrian win. Um, I, I wanted to say this too. I know that we're running real close on time, but I do think that Jonathan Waxman got a little bit of a villain's edit when he. It was assumed that he was, uh, you know, assuming that Bruce was the chef and not. And to me, I, I don't really know Jonathan Waxman, mm. but I know that most people yeah. love him. And I, he's one of the last people that I would assume, you know, have to quit their business because of a pile of sexual harassment lawsuits. Uh, and, you know, and especially in a season where two people have been, you know, edited out completely of top, like as they've been ghosted out of the episodes. Uh, it, it is important right. to, to yeah. note that I think that. I mean, I don't know Jonathan Waxman at all, but I, I do think it is very important to listen to what Adrian has to say. And for me, I always try to hire super talented, awesome women in the kitchen and I, to work with them just to counterbalance the, the machismo effect that happens in the kitchen a lot of times. Because it is, you know, restaurants have historically been an industry that have been dominated by male chefs. And it, gender roles in restaurants are really weird because people think about the, the pretty host and the pretty servers and the men in the back working. And it's all just a load of garbage and it shouldn't be that way in restaurants. And so uh, I kind of hope that Adrian does bring it home for uh, all the awesome women chefs out there, much like Brooke and some of the other previous winners. And I don't think Jonathan Waxman, it probably that episode probably made Jonathan Waxman look bad because I, I think he's an awesome dude. She did mention that obviously the ages also played a big role in this particular case, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, because Bruce is like much older than the other contestants they had mentioned earlier, and and Adrian is on the and young he seems side. Seems to I know everyone this season, yeah. including yeah, Jonathan Waxman. Who they're both California um, chefs. Like I expect they both know each other pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I liked. I mean, I thought it was good that the way Adrian like you know highlighted this this thing that she has been. Uh, you know, seeing like several times, and that you know she was able to sort of bring out and like didn't throw it off her game, didn't just uh, I, right. Yeah, I, I like the way she she did it all. Uh, 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 Chef Jim, you said two uh, two people were added out of the season. I only knew about uh, John Besh was there. Yeah, you, you missed you missed our oh. episode as we we had the inside scoop on this on the uh, the spooky episode. So who else? Who it was else is, uh, else? it's uh, what is his name? Johnny Johnny. Zini or? Oh yeah, yeah. Johnny oh. um was the judge when they were in the spooky mansion in in Colorado. The hotel. shining hotel. Oh, the shining yeah, the shining hotel. hotel. That's the one. And uh, when Padma had it is a spooky mansion. Weird disembodied <laughs> voice talking about her belief in ghosts, and everyone prepared three <laughs> plates, but only we saw Padma tasting. Yeah, go back, watch that. Oh, it is man. so much. Um, also, you should listen to our episodes when you're not on, because we have so much information. But that... Um, <laughs> the, the Magic Well really did a great job episode. of making that seem like it was just spooky editing and not someone they ghosted literally out of the episode. Yeah, they did. I mean, it still yeah. felt weird, but at least it felt weird. Like, they were making some weird choices about ghosts instead of weird choices about uh, me and chefs. Wow, good job, elves. Yeah, but... Okay. I, I, I liked it. I thought I thought Adrian hand, handled that really well. Megan, we we talked about this for a little while. It seemed like um, Adrian was just she was very good natured about it. But was also pointing out not just it wasn't about Waxman so much as like this happens a lot mm-hmm. and it's just part of the job. And I play through it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I thought that, um, you know, to Bruce's credit, he kind of got the villainetta early on as the sous chef, um, having too many uh, uh, strong opinions yeah. and that sort of thing. But uh, it seemed like in, in the, at least the scene that they showed. I thought he was, he was really funny when it seemed like people were assuming that he was a chef. Uh, I, th- I thought he was he was funny, for sure. Yeah. He got the... He got the villain at it, not just for having too many ideas, but like he got like funny music when he was like, "We could put it." <laughs> I know what's pasta. <laughs> yeah, yeah they had to include that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Do, do, Chef Jim, do you have a, a theory on or a thought on Pasta Gate? As you know, we have been fierce, or at least I specifically and a couple of others on the show have been defenders of pasta at every meal. Um, <laughs> do you think that uh, the show has been? Uh, unfairly maligning Bruce's love of and and Josh's love of pasta, or do you think they were? Well, I think that as a contestant, you really have to vary what you do a lot in order to stay present in the judges' minds. And so, if they picture you as the person who makes pasta every episode, you're going to have to do an extra special job of breaking out of that mold, even if what you do is pasta in your real life every day. So, I, I understand where they're coming from, and, and and the episode before, I mean, you know, it was all pasta except for the winning dish. And so, sometimes it is good to be different and to not do the same thing over again and i you know i i do really have to agree that when you said that uh, carrie is a pizza restaurant so and whenever she puts things on toast makes sense from her point of view i think that is brilliant and is absolutely right uh it is very much like what she does yeah. to put cool ingredients on top of bread yeah uh exactly and we saw this week that when you don't put cool ingredients on top of bread it gets you in trouble, or at least if you don't or do the bread you, right. Yeah, if you do the, the yeah. cool ingredients, but no. Uh, when Daniel, when Daniel <laughs> said no that, nourishment on I, the bread. I, no, oh yeah, nourishment. Dan, yeah. Daniel, he's <laughs> on fire this episode. <laughs> he's so great. All right, uh, Sarah, um, that leaves you. What's your prediction, and where does what does your heart say? Wow. Well, the the Hathaway Corpening dog household is divided <laughs> because I think dog. I'm team. All right, Woody Dog. Um, <laughs> that must be so uh, awkward at I, dog meetings. You know, it's they're all one big happy we, doggy family. We right? recognize the, um, the, uh, the uh, Mr. Dog. <laughs> Everyone starts talking. <laughs> no, 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 yes. no. The dog from the... Alex, didn't you have a teacher once called Mr. Person? I did have a teacher named this Mr. Really? Person. This is a thing. That is yeah. true. I, my driver's ed teacher okay, well, was Mr. Are. Person. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I feel like enough, maybe I now predict him to win. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to blend in. Wait, I want to see. I want to hear what Sarah says. Sorry, what's that? Uh, oh, I mean, well, it's not going to be nearly as entertaining as what we've just been saying. But um, I think I'm more Team Adrian. I think Kyle is slightly more Team Flam um, because of the sh- the Chicago of it all. Yeah, and She's, isn't I think she also our from dog Chicago? is. Yeah, she is. But I think I just I don't know. We're just we're just leaning slightly in different directions, but there's no bad choice. Right. And our dog really roots for anyone who drops <laughs> cheese on the floor. So he's oh, so an easily swayed vote. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, uh, any input from Sarah uh, or either of your burritos about this? Oh, yeah. Thing, Dad? Uh, Sarah, uh, do you uh, Flam or Adrian for the for the finale? Do you care? She says she thinks she wants Flam. Interesting. Maybe did yeah, you weigh, did uh, Maya kind of like kind of squeaked. Um, Caleb really <laughs> isn't moving from okay. his iPad coma, so we're yeah. still bad turns. <laughs> He's still into Batman. Yeah. 
Still, yeah. So if Batman, if Lego Batman could win somehow, I think uh, Kayla would be all about that. I guess we, I don't mean to overlook the person um, so directly on my left, but what was your what was your hope? I, you know, I, I like them both, but yeah. I, I have to say I'm definitely on Team Adrian. Um, I feel like one of the great things about this point is that bo- of the show is that both of them would lose very gracefully. Mm. Both of them would do a yeah. wonderful, like would be so happy for the other person. Um, but maybe I think Joe would be even more happy for Adrian than Adrian would be for Joe. So I kind of like that as a double win for her. I'm rooting for her because maybe Joe would be would take it better. I don't well, know. Well, as Marianne says, he does have very good manners. He's got such good manners. So, oh, the manners on that boy. <laughs> what a nice boy. Um, well, I man, I I hope all of these. I I hope all of this is just every dish is good. That's all I want every mm-hmm. time. And that's what's been great about these last couple episodes is that even when like even like kind of rooting a little bit against Joe Stash. He went home for making good food, but just not quite as good. And that's that's what I like to see every time. I just don't want him to choke when it really matters. It's too sad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess, Chef Jim, one more question before we let you go, before we wrap this today, which is just, um, how are your uh, Top Chef stress <laughs> nightmares going? Have you gotten, gotten <laughs> past happens. PTSD? Uh, or is I, it still happens. You know, I definitely sometimes I'll wake up in a, in a cold sweat, you know, uh, thinking about how my watermelon dashi could have been better. Um, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had 12 minutes to cook pillow and I didn't get it done. <laughs> oh, the dashi dreams. Yeah, man. Uh, do you watching this show or do you wish you could be there every episode? Do you see like this finale or like do you think about uh, what you would make yes, for vegetarian food in a, in a cowboy cauldron? Anything to have been on this episode on this season. I love it and I think that um even bring returnees back through Last Chance Kitchen was a, maybe a better way to do it than the way it was done to me. Not that I didn't love all of them. I do. Uh, I love absolutely every one of the returnees that I had to go against. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would, uh, yes, I would have jumped to be on the season. I, <laughs> uh, we, you, don't, you have obviously uh, uh, Bravo PR people to be looking out for, but we have been very clear on the show that we felt like that was a, uh, uh, a weird injustice to put a group of all stars in with the regular people, and it was incredibly impressive how you held your own against I, people with that much more Top Chef experience already. Yeah, because it seems like that's the biggest learning curve is just kind of learning how to be on the show and yeah, yeah, learning how to oversalt your food for Tom, learning how to <laughs> finish in the uh, time management with that giant clock. Yeah, it, it, like I, I love. I mean, I was on eight episodes, which is a lot of episodes of the season, but it pains me It pains me yeah, yeah. so much to think that I was one episode away from Restaurant Wars, which is basically when the finale started this season. Uh, so it is, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love the show. I'm a huge fan of the show. I love the, the, the Magical Elves and the Bravo people have been totally awesome to me, and they know that I would bend over backwards for them. And uh, I, they, like, they have done so much for my career, I can't even begin to thank them enough. And Well, and like... And like Padma, they're definitely listening right now. So it's good that you say that. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's it's been awesome. Oh, and hey, I know I hate to do some shameless plugging, but um, please everybody follow me on oh, yeah, social yeah. media. Like I hate, I, I hate. Do you, hate do you spoil? Oh, no, you don't spoil. But right? I do live tweet yeah. episodes, and I think that I'm the only previous chef testament that live tweets episodes, and I do respond to people, and I'll respond to Ooh. people's questions that are happening in the hashtag area of the of this of the show so 
Yeah, um, follow me on social media. I have a great website too, which will be updated very soon with events that you can follow me at. It's chefjimsmith.com. And uh, there's lots of, you know, I, I, I hate to sound like a like I'm pimping myself out through social media, but I, I don't know about the industries that you all are in, but for me, like if you want to do something, sometimes the very first question out of people's mouth is how many social media followers you have. And it's like a dagger through the heart um, because it seems so... Oh, it I'm seems very so familiar. Dirty. But if you like hearing me out there and you want to hear more of me, please follow me, like me, friend me. I do everything but Snapchat. Uh, so, um, yeah. Oh, no news. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I'm very easy to find. Chef Jim Smith is my handle on all of those. So. Cool. Awesome. Cool. We, we, we'll put uh, links in the show. Yeah, we'll put links. We'll tweet about it. We'll do everything we can to help that out. I, as a comic, know that that is the first question that everybody asks at meetings as well. Um, uh, so I I feel you don't feel bad about promoting it and what what you have done today is provided an incredible amount uh, of of knowledge and and wealth to this show so we we can't thank you enough for for bringing all of your knowledge and also for just being like uh, just such a a fun person to hang out with it's been really great oh hey really thanks mm-hmm. thanks for having me on and, and anytime y'all are interested in talking to me I am here for you all. Well, I appreciate it. Maybe, oh, awesome. maybe one day, if one of us is governor of Alabama, we'll get to eat some of your food. <laughs> yeah, that'd be why I'd enter politics. Honestly, I, I don't know if there'd be any other reason. I, I want, it. yeah, I want some vegetarian Southern cuisine. Um, well, so that, yeah, so follow Chef Jim Smith everywhere. You can find us. We're all on uh, packyourmics.com and you can learn more about the show and subscribe and everything there. Uh, thanks for joining me, Megan. Absolutely. And uh, as and on behalf of your family, thank you for being here. Yeah, they're, they're having some fruit salad now. Good. Well, it- <laughs> This has been two of the briefest appearances on the show has been Sarah, her, her two. We really appreciate her at least trying to stop by. Yeah, she tried hard. Uh, and then uh, new Sarah on behalf of Kyle. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having and me. Dog. We've had so much fun talking about this season with you guys. It's been great. Next week, super, super packed finale. And also in this is kind of weird because we did it in the uh, quick fire, but also, Chris, in in memoriam pack your mics and go Ooh, uh, wow a rare double emulation for the same person doesn't happen often but he managed uh all right we'll talk to everybody next week thank you so much for listening i very excited to talk about this finale all right we'll talk to you guys then